now recording. Right now, we're going to be speaking about a few things on this podcast. Number one. So, uh, intro? Or are we, oh, we cold opening. Um, I don't know. What are we doing? It is What are you talking? What is this accent? Episode five, I believe. Yes. Last episode is episode four. We do not mention episode three. And um, Episode three. The forgotten episodes. The lost arc. A moment of silence for episode three. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone uh, listeners, I don't care where you're listening to this, what time of day, where you are. You could be in a coffin, in a cabin, on a submarine. You could be in your car. You could be standing up at work at your newfangled desks. But I want you to do a standing moment of silence we're gonna do one minute of complete silence here on the podcast for episode three the lost episode so uh starting now it's gonna be a moment of silence can you imagine if we actually did like a whole minute of of airplay of just silence for episode three (laughs) dude a, f- a full, full, <laughs> a full 60, 60 seconds. seconds. So we're going to have a moment of silence. And then it's literally seconds. dead air for 60 seconds. This is no, not this episode, is episode three, by the way. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. You put up you put up a one and a half minute long Fuck. clip of nothing. Maybe just like a like a slight hiss, like a tss, And that's it. And people are like, what's this? This and is for like, episode three. This is the last episode. <laughs> pour, pour, pour one out for, for episode, episode three. three. Pour one out for episode That's three. That's the name this of this episode. episode. Five. Pour one out for episode three. Note, pointedly, it is episode five or episode 29, depending on how you count it. Welcome to... Oh, wait, no, there's an intro to this. <laughs> Are we just not... Yeah, did we forget how this works? Are you ready? I have the script. For the intro? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great, I'm almost ready. All right. This podcast is rated NSFW. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a podcast called Title with Elon's sister and Ari's brother. Give us titles and we'll give you stories. Or at least we'll try to. Hey gang, we're back. (laughs) It's episode five here at a podcast called Title Headquarters. Uh, The headquarters is large. It spans New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Berkshire's Mountains, and all the states that it encompasses. And, of course, big shout-out to our probably biggest supporter, the entire state, all 2,900 people of Kansas. I thought you were going to go Nebraska. (laughs) No, Nebraska's actually bigger than Kansas, uh, population-wise, if I recall. Because of Omaha? I don't know. I might be wrong about that. Any though, um, <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, for the rundown, we have a bank of titles here that we are going to select four of, and then we are going to roll a D4, which is a four-sided dice shaped like a pyramid for those of you who are not into tabletop gaming. And we are going to select uh, based on the die which story we will be telling. Now, the the thing to know here is that we have a well of titles that we came up with, but we also have a community in our Discord. Uh, And so, if you're interested in submitting titles to us, please at us at apctofficial on Instagram. Did I fuck it up? You take it. DM take it us at APCT official oh my God. on what Instagram. Did I, what did I say? What at did I us, say? At okay, us, which well. would be tagging us, which I guess you could do if you wanted, but that would be interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning, okay? He's very millennial. So. <laughs> He's very boomer. Right. When were you born? Greatest generation! Oh. oh. <laughs> we don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> he has some interesting theories. <laughs> okay. So, 
Um, we will now be selecting the titles. Title one, Lemons, lemons Limes, and Cyanide! Ooh, a repeat offender. All right. We, uh, didn't, we didn't do this. So. We didn't actually do it, but we had it on our... But it was on a list. Yeah, it yeah. was on a list. Was it on the list of the lost episode, though? That is the real question. <laughs> Quite possibly. Very possibly. Um, two. Who my throat cookled? Number two. Muggly Muggins made a new mug. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to do Freddy the Alligator for number three. What? No! We have to have a special episode for Freddy. Oh, I like the idea that he just shows up in any... We can't just do a Freddy... I mean, we can do a dedicated Freddy episode, but I also like the idea that he just shows up, because that's how he worked in our stories. He just kind of showed up. Alright. No? Are you saying no? Are you vetoing Freddy? No, we don't... No, we can do a Freddy. We can do a Freddy? We can do a Freddy. We can put him as a potential. As an option. As yeah. an option, yeah. yeah. If he comes up, then it's a, uh, a Freddy episode. It's a Freddy episode. The first. The first night at Freddy's. <laughs> okay, four. Four. Yes! Mary Elaine Finch and the absurd story of how she got there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, okay. We're going to roll a D4. Ari explained... Ari's brother... Elon's sister explained what that is. It is a pyramid. We and got... Oh yeah, no, no, you, yeah, 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 no, you, yeah, yeah, no, you, yeah, 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 no, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we begin, shall before we begin, I'm going to introduce our challenge for today. I'm going to pick from this box of SAT flashcards, copyright 2004, next to me, and we have to use whatever word I pick in the story. Should we fail to do so correctly, we will then be sent to the penalty box, which I will explain if it happens. <laughs> Alright, and the challenge word, microcosm. So, noun, a miniature world. Secondary noun, a small-scale representation of something. Maryland's tropical fish tank is a microcosm of an actual barrier reef. Good job, Maryland. We may have just gotten the perfect word for what we're about to roll. Oh? Ari. What? Ari. What? It is with great pleasure that I will report to you. We rolled a four. Mary Elaine Finch and the absurd story of how she got there. Before we start, before we start, I would like to tell the listeners something. Elon's sister and Ari's brother have been eagerly anticipating the story of Mary Elaine Finch. From the moment this was conceived, we've been wondering what the absurd story of how she got wherever the fuck she got has been, and we've been really excited to do this one. So, without further ado, Mary Elaine Finch and the absurd story of how she got there by Elon's sister and Ari's brother. Mary Elaine Finch fancied herself as something of an explorer. She liked to believe that she was very adventurous, and yet despite that, she had yet to actually leave her city that she'd been born and raised in. She'd been all over the city she had been born and raised in, but had yet to actually leave the boundaries of the city limit. Still, she fancied herself an explorer. She loved wandering through the streets and finding new things. She was the type who would eat anything 
uh, quite the adventurous foodie, one might say. Uh, traveling through all of the districts of the city and... The districts? Districts. Shut up. <laughs> traveling <laughs> through all of the districts of the city and eating at every weird location she could find. Any local, local, quote-unquote, delicacies she could sample. She loved going to strange events and weird experiences, loved doing ghost tours. She knew all of the haunted locations in the city. She knew all of the places that had murders and crimes uh, happen. She, she knew all of the, like, love stories, the infamous love stories that happened throughout the city. She knew that city like the back of her hand. In fact, she didn't even really have a job or anything to do during her days except wander the city. That's what she sunk all of her time into. When we say wander, however, the story of Mary Elaine Finch begins to get murky. She would acquire things for people. Sort of like a, a, a finder or, or, or the borrowers, if you're familiar with the story, of things going missing and then things appearing. Mary Elaine Finch had this quality about her. No one was quite sure. She was a very, a very mysterious woman. Slight, slight build. She was about 4 foot 11 inches and weighed 100 pounds soaking. She was uh, a very... She was a very cunning girl. And she would dart about the city acquiring things, making her living, if you will, on that and that alone. The city being a microcosm in and of itself meant that it was a host to a number of different types of people, types of types of cultures clashing into one small neighborhood. Mary Elaine Finch lived on the fifth floor of a building with a number of Italian and Jewish immigrants who lived in it as well. However, unlike many of them, Mary Elaine was different. In a given apartment on this, in this building, there might be as many as three families sharing it. But Mary Elaine Finch, a single woman, young woman, might I add, had an apartment all to herself. No one was quite sure how. And when we say Mary Elaine Finch lived somewhere, that too is a little bit generous. She was almost something of a nomad within the city. She had this apartment, it was a place to return to, and yet she... It was more like a base, if anything. She didn't spend nights there. She just sort of appeared there to drop things off or pick things up on occasion. No one knew where she slept or stayed throughout the course of the days and evenings. She just wandered, would appear in some places, and then seemingly just not be there anymore. And when asked where her permanent residence was, she would give this building, this apartment number, on the fifth floor. And yet, so infrequently would you actually find her there. Now one might think, oh, that's normal, she was staying with friends, family, a loved one. But Mary Elaine Finch didn't seem to have very close connections. She knew almost everyone, and yet, no one really knew her. Quite the enigma she was. She was a little bizarre. People couldn't quite pin down who Mary Elaine Finch was. And yet, Mary Elaine Finch had no care whatsoever for the fact that no one seemed to fully know her. She was perfectly content with her existence as this pseudo-borrower-finder type person. And what she really dreamed about was extending her practice, her adventuring, outside of the city limits. She wanted to venture beyond the microcosm of this little cultural, stirring neighborhood that she was in and test herself out in the real world, the, the big world, the wider world. 
And yet, she never seemed to be able to bring herself to cross the city lines. And that was why it was so truly confusing to her. When one day, she looked around, and she was not anywhere in the city that she called home. I suppose at this point in the story, it might be beneficial to start at the end and work backwards. Mary Elaine Finch died in 1967, in November, I think it was. And when she died, it was believed she was appearance, appearance alone, we would say about 43 to maybe 50. When they performed an autopsy, though, it showed that she was over 200 years old. And where she died, you ask? That's another good story. It wasn't in her city. No. In fact, it was in Topeka. It was in Topeka. <laughs> it was in Topeka, Kansas, of all places. Damn it, Ari! <laughs> I thought you were gonna leave it there. In fact, it was in Topeka, Kansas, of all places. And what was truly bizarre was that no one knew how she died. No one knew who she was. Her body was discovered. Or how she got there. Or how she got there. Her body was discovered inside a hollow tree in Topeka, Kansas. Several years, 200 to be exact, after she died. <laughs> it became something of a local legend. People would write, people would tell stories about the woman in the tree, the, the ghost haunting the tree, the, the local serial killer, folklorist, whatever, who, who dumped bodies in the tree and that she was just the first of many victims. She became a whole centerpiece of town folklore that brought tourists to the locations. Which was interesting, because Topeka, Kansas was not particularly a uh, happening spot up until then. But as for Mary Lane Finch, she had never left her little city, as far as she was aware. And then one day she had, with no clue of how or where she was. So, ending up in a tree in Topeka certainly wasn't how she thought her body would go. Fortunately, we pick our story back up as she's walking around, realizing she's no longer in her own city. As she's walking around, she realizes she's in a small country town, very small. Perhaps it's town center with five buildings around. She's looking around and she walks through an alleyway. And as she emerges from the alleyway, she is no longer, no longer in uh, the country town and she's not in her own city. From as much as she can gather from the books she's read, she estimates that she is in Paris, France. She's walking around the streets of Paris, unfamiliar with the city, but enamored with the city life, with the, with the exotic nature of it, with how different everything is, the sights, the smells, the people. And as she wandered around Paris, or at least what she figured to be Paris, for maybe a few days. When she awoke after taking a rest along a little alleyway and exited the alleyway she had been staying in, she discovered she was no longer in Paris, at least not any part she recognized. She was now in what she estimated to be England. streets were much dirtier. You got that right, they were. The people were speaking English, though the accent was not what she was used to, 
back from her home. And no longer was she hearing the sounds of another language entirely. She could understand what was being said now. The city was, uh, the street layout was rather confusing. Um, several turns and twists. Everything was cobbled. It was exciting. This was the adventure she had always wanted. She had no idea how she had gone to sleep in Paris and woken up in England. Nor did she have any idea how she had ended up in some small town and then turned a corner and ended up in Paris. Frankly, she wasn't sure she cared much. This was the adventure she had always craved. She wandered around England for some time, trying to find people who needed her services. And quite a few did. Turns out England had a wealth of uh, artifacts and precious items to people that seemed to up and vanish, and she was just the person to find and track them down. But one day she went into an old manor, a manor called the Dashlewood Manor, and it was a, a very old manor, and honestly a very creepy manor with a weird history. The item that they wanted retrieved was the helmet uh, that was a set, part of a set of, of armor, suit of armor. And the, the collector had two of the pieces. He had the cuirass and he had the greaves, but he did not, or the leggings rather, but he did not have the, the helmet. And there was a uh, helmet, an intact helmet in, in the manor. And so Mary Elaine Finch was sent to go retrieve this helmet. And that was the last anyone in that area had ever heard of Mary Elaine Finch. No one had heard of her for, for years. Some people said after that that they saw a walking suit of armor, but no one can verify that. However, <clears throat> 87 years later in Topeka, Kansas, in an alleyway between textile shop and and a small small cafe uh, there was uh, what looked like a, a very nicely made old suit of armor just laying right at the edge of the at the of the alleyway and some people said they saw a woman that matched the description of Mary Elaine Finch in that area. But no one could verify for sure. Finally, one day, the old first church of Christ in the, in, in the town had a small hill where they had a big cross and they had a tree planted right next to that big old tree. Now the church is no longer there. It fell apart. Someone bought the plot and it became a Starbucks. But behind that church is a big old tree. Kind of hollow. And for about 20 years, 30 years, people said they heard a knocking. Knocking on that wood. From inside. No one believed it. 50 years after that, I cut the tree open. What do you think they find? Mary Elaine Finch. So, who is Mary Elaine Finch? Hard to say. And the absolutely absurd story of how she got there? We're not quite sure either. All we know is that Mary Elaine Finch was something of a traveler. And that how she got there is something of a mystery that, till this day, will remain unsolved. But if we ever get the chance, I think we'd all love to have a word with Mary Elaine Finch if she's still out there. Maybe she is, roaming around.
baby in Utah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. Look, it wasn't it... our worst. <laughs> no, that one that one passed. It wasn't great, but it but was passed. passable. I mean, I'm not sure how old she was at the end of that there. Yeah, I also don't quite know, did, was she a ghost? I'm not sure either. Initially, I thought she was just a lady who could vamp into new places when she walks through alleyways, but then it became this question, this bigger question as we continued telling it is, is she dead? What is she? <laughs> what is going on is she- here? Um, is she, is she a protoplasmic being? What's happening? What's happening? Um, yeah. So uh, that was Mary Lane Finch in the absurd story and of how she story. got there by Elon's sister and Ari's brother and Elon's sister and Ari's brother and Ma and Ari and Elon's Ma. Ma okay. Um, do we have to do another one? Right. Yeah. Two an episode. Roll that die. Where the fuck? Okay. I found the die. I've rolled the die. And? <laughs> we got a two, Ari. Muggly Muggins made a new mug. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, we got a two, which is Muggly Muggins made a new mug. Muggly Muggins made a new mug by Elon's sister. And Ari's brother. And the challenge for this one... Uh-oh. Sporadic. Sporadic. Oh, sporadic. A, A series of random and crazy motions going off in absurd directions, like Mary Elaine Finch. Um, okay, no. or uh, no. infrequent or scattered. Occurring in various places. So not incorrect. <laughs> not not correct, not incorrect. Okay. Infrequent and scattered. Yeah, that's kind of random pops going off in a quiet place. <laughs> Child Protective Services said that parental interest in the, ch- uh, in the children's welfare was sporadic and therefore put them at risk. Wow, what a bummer uh, sentence. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's a terrible, terrible use of sporadic. Holy shit. All right. Let's see if we can do better in Mer- in Muggly Muggins Made a New Mug. Made a New Mug. <clears throat> by Elon's sister. And, and Ari's, Ari's brother. brother. By Ari's brother. And, and Elon's sister. sister. <laughs> by- <laughs> I'll receive. You kick off. I started the last one. Okay, fine. I'll I'll kick off. <laughs> I guess that's how that worked. Did you start? Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to not remember how we did it last time. The door opened slightly as Mugly burst through, excitedly holding up a new mug. She just came out of her ceramic studio where she sat day in and day out, making mug after mug after mug. Her house was filled with them. She actually built things out of them. She has a coffee table made entirely of mugs with a glass top. She has a couch, or actually more of a a, a loveseat or a chair, made out of mugs. But she has a personal mission, the strangest mission, you might say. The personal mission is to make the perfect mug. She doesn't want it to vary too much from the traditional coffee mug that one thinks of when they picture a mug or, or, or go to, a, to look up a mug emoji. But Mugly wanted to make the perfect mug. That's why she changed her name from Melanie Muggins to Mugly Muggins. Melanie, her mother chided. This is just too many mugs. Mother, it's Mugly. I changed it legally, she countered. I have the forms to prove it. I went to the- Brandishing the forms. I went to the clerk and everything. I am now legally Mugly Muggins, so how dare you call me a name that's not mine? I picked Mugly and that's how I wish to be called. Her mother sighed and put her face in her hands. 
Oh my god, this is too many mugs. You are obsessed. You need a new hobby. Mugly shook her head. This isn't. This is fine. I'm doing well. I can make the perfect mug. I just need a little bit more time. See, this one was so close, she said, brandishing her newest mug, her newest creation. It was almost perfect, but not quite there. Melanie, you're never going to reach this perfection you have in your mind. It is impossible. Just let it all go. And while you're at it, let some of these mugs go. I can't, Mugly said, ferociously stepping in front of her mom's way to keep her away from her precious mugs. These are necessary. We need them in here. I need to know how much I've improved. I need to see my mugs for inspiration. Mugly. Her mother said, finally giving in, using the new name that her daughter had chosen. This isn't okay. You have a problem, an obsession with these mugs. You need to get rid of some. This is bordering on hoarding. And just as, uh, just as Mrs. Muggins mentioned hoarding, uh, the door, a door to the kitchen opened. Not the one that Mugly came out of, but a different one. And steam poured out of it. And a shirtless man wearing nothing but a towel slowly walked out and said, Oh, hey, Mrs. Muggins. Uh, Mugly, I think we're out of uh, the, the, the whey protein that I have after runs, but that's chill. Um, I was about to have some tea. Can I beta one of your new mugs, bro? And then Chester walks uh, down the hall to go to his room to get uh, dressed. And while you're at it, maybe get a new roommate. Her mother sighed, looking around the heap of mugs covering the apartment. The table. The table was constructed of mugs. The chairs. The counters in the kitchen. Several racks and shelves, all mugs, filled with mugs. Mugs everywhere, too many mugs. And it didn't help that Mugly's roommate only encouraged the mug making. He seemed to have an aversion to doing dishes, so for him it suited quite well to have hundreds of thousands on mugs of mugs on tap. His aversion wasn't so much to doing dishes as it was to Mugly's reaction when a mug didn't quite meet the needed the needed quality specification she had set out for herself. They had a brick wall in the back that was the remnants of an old garage that was put up when the house was built that no longer met code. But the the brick wall was kept. So they hur- they whenever the cup didn't meet, a mug didn't meet specifications, they would hurl it into the wall. And Chester was particularly fond of that. It was a very exciting activity for him to just huck uh, uh, a mug as hard as he could against the wall and watch it shatter. Mom, he's a perfectly fine roommate. I don't need a new roommate. Also, why do you keep trying to invade in my life? Just let me make my mugs. It's not hurting you. No, Mugly, but it's hurting you, her mother countered. It was so frustrating. Her daughter just didn't seem to register or care that her life was all consumed by mug making. Fine. If you're going to continue to make mugs like this, you could at least sell them? You have mug furniture. That's such a weird niche. Make money off of it at least. Do you know how much... Do you know how much it costs your father and I to support your mug-making habits? Do you know how much that ceramic oven costs? Chester came out of the uh, room fully dressed and went, Oh, don't worry, Mrs. Muggins. I've been selling so many of them. Here, look. And he he pulled a box from under his bed. It was a long box, and it was just full of cash. 
Those are Mugly's mugs, Chester. You shouldn't be yeah. selling them without her permission. No, no, no. No, I know they're Mugly's mugs. That's why I haven't spent the money. I keep it here. It's like her money. I'm hoping she'll give me a cut though, because I'm like doing the salesman work and it's like kind of marketing. So I was actually, and then he turns, then then Chester turns to Mugly. So I was actually thinking you could like make me like marketing, like manager or some cool title like that. And then I could like go out and, and, and sell your mugs and you can like pay me a salary. Wouldn't that be like dope? And then we could like sell your mugs and I would get money and you'd get money and mugs. Chester trailed off when he noted that Mugly's face looked heartbroken. You've been selling my mugs? My babies? Yeah, they're like really... Yeah, but they're really good. But they're my mugs. You can't yeah, sell my they're... mugs. No, I know, but... Yeah, but... No, but... But, like, they're the ones you said weren't good enough. And so, like, I was like, but they're good enough for other people. You Mugly know? And so then now... Heartbroken oh, at the I, loss I, of her mugs. I, I fucked up. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Shit. Okay. Uh, here, I'll go cancel all the order. Uh, fuck. And then Chester runs back into his room. Mugly's mother sighed. Oh, get a grip. Enough of this, Mugly. This is ridiculous. Look. He's kind of an idiot, but he meant well, and you know he's right. You have a talent at this mug making. Sell them. Make some money off of it. Put it to use. If you're going to spend all of your time locked up making mugs, at the very least, do something with them. This is too many mugs. Chester walks back out with a box full of mugs from his room and goes, uh, these were some of the ones you said were like smashing mugs. So that's kind of what I was selling. But, but you know, what always helps me when I'm feeling like really like, uh, it's just going out there and like hucking a few against the wall. So here, and he hands the box to, uh, to Mugly and, 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 and glances out at the brick wall and says, I mean, you were going to smash them anyway. You might as well like, Mugly looked down at the mugs, heartbroken. They were so imperfect. The only thing they would be good for was smashing, and yet people wanted to buy them. But she couldn't allow people to buy these mugs. They were wrong. They were bad. There was something just not quite right about them. They weren't perfect the way she needed her mugs to be. None of the mugs were perfect the way they needed to be. Mugly almost dropped the box entirely. Maybe her mom was right. Maybe she had a problem. There were so many mugs here. She spent so much time making all of them and yet not a single one had come out perfectly. Sure, she felt she might be close, but... What if her perfect mug was unachievable? What if she couldn't do it? What if this was as close as she would ever get? She was in crisis now. It was too many mugs. And they weren't perfect. And she wasn't perfect. She couldn't make the perfect mug. Why did she spend all that time for? Why had she invested so much energy into this? But she loved her mugs. What was she supposed to do? And just as these thoughts were permeating her head, swirling around and, and, and messing with her mind and her perception of her mug making, she dropped the box. And the mugs hit the floor, and some of them shattered. But one of them, one of them did something strange. It was one that Mugly had made four weeks ago, and had not yet smashed. It was imperfect, sure. It didn't look quite as uniform as the other mugs. 
but there was something about this mug that made her move it from the smashy pile twice. She hadn't kept it out of the trash pile, but she wasn't ready to throw it away. And then she, she had a, a, a revelation as she watched this imperfect mug hit the floor and bounce, and then fall back down and bounce again and land unblemished, undamaged. It withstood a fall and bounced. She'd never seen ceramic do that before. Maybe the perfect wasn't in the mug craft. Maybe it was in the resilience, the strength of the mug. The fact that it could be dropped and not broken. That it could bounce twice and still be intact. Maybe her spirit was the same. She hadn't reached the perfection she had hoped, but maybe that was what made her better. All the better for it was that she kept trying, despite her imperfect mugs. At mug after mug after mug, she still managed to try again. A new hope kindled within Mugly, and you know what? Maybe these imperfect mugs had their own beauty to themselves. Maybe people could have use for them. Maybe it was worth selling. All right. All right. Mugly sniffle, picking up the unbroken mug, the one that withstood the fall. I think you might be right. So Mugly went, took the mug, wiped the snot on her, on her arm, looked at her mother with a renewed fire in her eyes, looked at Chester, who still looked pretty confused, and she marched herself into her, back into her ceramic studio room thing that was established earlier in this narrative. And she sat down and began... <laughs> and she sat down and began working. And then... Two hours later, came out and exclaimed, I've done it. I've made a new mug. The end. I don't think we use sporadic. I was just gonna say, wait, what was the word again? <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Penalty! Penalty box! <laughs> Oh, man, we fucked up. We fucked up. <laughs> All right. There's only a little bit yet, only a little bit left. <laughs> Who's doing it? I think we both have to. Since neither of us... Yeah, we both have to. Um, I'll start. Okay, you, you do. Um, so the penalty box uh, yeah, yeah. is that... Since we have failed the challenge of using the word sporadic, Elon and I will now, Ari's brother and I will now have to uh, read. That was so like Elon and I. Like <laughs> Ari's brother and I will now have to read from a fan fiction, which uh, is a rather questionable. <laughs> T- to say the least. Um, it is called... Once- oh, why, Ari? Why is it questionable? What? Do you- whatever do you mean? Well, once again, I blame the source material, but there definitely is sexual tension between the Onceler and a horse with a human face. So this is called Oncey Horse Prince by Epic... On Seller Gamer 69696969. And to pick off where we last left off in this tale, uh, they were cutting onions. So, let's see. Uh, didn't you get to, uh. It's okay, Oncey. I will help you. I will help. Yeah, that's right. Winky face. Yuma said with a special smile on his face. Then Yuma 
wrecked, wretched over and put his horse leg arm things around Oncey. Oncey blushed furiously with lust. Yuma helped Oncey to pick up the knife. Oh no, Oncey thought. Yuma has hoof, not hands. How will he lift the knife? Oncey reached for his hoof, but instead of taking the knife from Yuma, Oncey touched the underside of his hoof. Oh, Oncey! Yuma moaned. Don't you know not to touch another man's frog? Winky face. Once he blushed even more. However, you said it questioningly. <laughs> another man's frog? Another man's okay. frog. Winky face. Once he blushed even more. To three there. They cut the onions. Zero R E, right? Mozero. Yeah, okay. Tog Threether, they cut the onions. It was so beautiful. (laughs) At the end, they had a giant pile of onions that they put in a bowl and ate like popcorn. I had a wonderful time cooting onions. Cut cooting the onions. Onions. With you, (laughs) Unsi. Yuma said. You are so sexy. Please kiss me, Unsi. Unsi? Unsi. I don't know. Unsi wanted to kiss him so bad. He really did. But Yuma was a horse, and Unsi was not tall enough to reach his face. Suddenly, Yuma reached his horse neck down and passionately kissed Unsi on the mouth. In parentheses. In in parentheses. Unsi was so in love, he passed out. Unsi... Opedened his eyes to Yuma, feeding him onions. All was good in the world, and once he knew going to the farm was the best decision on his life. Notes. P. Okay, so now I have to read a different one, right? Yeah, because we have finished. We have completed that. So the penalty box. I'm going to add some more to here, but, uh, um, all right. How about Miguel gets pegged? What? (laughs) Katrina Hood 31 penguin. Ah, fuck. All right. (laughs) Miguel gets pegged. Katrina Hood. Notes. Whether you get all hot and bothering from reading this, or you find this as arousing as finishing that one essay that's due right in the next day, I'll say it as a win either way. Midgel lied on his bed, his beak <laughs> locked against Conrad's lips. He gripped... He gripped Conrad's back as she slipped her fingers under his aviator hat to run them through his head feathers. They broke their kiss for a few seconds before diving back in. Midgal's teeth grazed Conrad's upper lip. She, in turn, made her kisses against his beak rougher. They continued on like this until... Conrad lifted her head from the kiss and brushed her fingers against Midgel's neck feathers. These feathers, she said. How do you preen them? <laughs> God damn it. How do you preen them? Got yeah. These feathers. How do you preen them? Uh, all right. I feel like there needs to be, just so you know, here are the tags on this story. So this is part yeah, of tags, the tags. This is part of the 321 Penguins cartoon fandom. I have no idea what this uh, is. Um, okay. The tags are pegging, female human male penguin, female human male alien, interspecies Ari. romance, interspecies Ari. sex, plot Ari. what plot? Porn without a plot, anal sex, anal fingering, nipple licking. Uh, Fuck. Oh. N- Fuck it, that's all the sexy tags that relate to this fanfic. Blowjobs. Blowjobs given to a dildo. Uh. Okay. We are going to earn that NSFW badge. (laughs) We 
yeah. Just from reading the tags, we're going to earn that. <laughs> wow. Okay. This is going to be a tough one. I guess my horse daddy and whatever we just read. One C horse prince. One C horse prince. I think those were tame in comparison to what's about to happen here. Oh, just we're wait till I go uh, tap my well of uh, no terrible no, fan no. fiction. Sorry, we're in the middle of a horrible. This one. I'm sorry. I was doing okay until I got to. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hard it is to start there? At least the one C horse prince and the other one had like some stuff before we got into the thing that was uncomfortable. Most of it was kissing. This starts out with a bird. Frenching a girl. Okay, that's where we start, Ari. <laughs> We're going places. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Okay, that was the penalty box. The worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> Watch, 321 Penguins is like the most innocent of cartoons, probably. <laughs> I, I've never heard of it. I, I also have never heard not- of it. I imagine that 321 Penguins isn't a porn industry, so. <laughs> okay, uh, that was two. Ugh. Wow. Wow, what a, what a thing to happen. Well, what a way to end. Uh... <laughs> Those were titles. No, they weren't. These are stories. <laughs> <laughs> this has been an hour of fuck-ups. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <clears throat> Those were stories. These are titles. And this is a podcast. Dry your tears, everyone. We'll be back next time. Oh, my gourd. We still have two more to. Record, can you believe it? Ooh, can we do that? Do you have time? I don't know if I have time.